Chapter Nine, Part Eight of the General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Mackenzie. The General History of the Pirates, Volume One, by Charles Johnson. Chapter Nine, Part Eight. When Roberts was gone, as though he had been the life and soul of the gang, their spirits sunk many deserted their quarters and all stupidly neglected any means for defence or escape and their mainmast soon after being shot by the board they had no way left but to surrender and call for quarters the swallow kept aloof while her boat passed and repassed for the prisoners because they understood they were under an oath to blow up and some of the desperadoes showed a willingness that way matches being lighted and scuffles happening between those who would and those who opposed it but i cannot easily account for this humour which can be termed no more than a false courage since any of them had power to destroy his own life either by pistol or drowning without involving others in the same fate who are in no temper of mind for it and at best it had been only dying for fear of death she had forty guns and a hundred and fifty-seven men Forty-five whereof were negroes. Three only were killed in the action without any loss to the swallow. There was found upwards of two thousand pounds in gold dust in her. The flag could not be got easily from under the fallen mast, and was therefore recovered by the swallow. It had the figure of a skeleton in it, and a man portrayed with a flaming sword in his hand, intimating a defiance of death itself. The swallow returned back into Cape Lopez Bay, and found the little ranger, whom the pirates had deserted in haste, for the better defence of the ship. She had been plundered, according to what I could learn, of two thousand pounds in gold dust, the shares of those pirates who belonged to her, and Captain Hill in the Neptune, not unjustly suspected, for he would not wait the man-of-war's returning into the bay again, but sailed away immediately making no scruple afterwards to own the seizure of other goods out of her and surrendered as a confirmation of all fifty ounces at barbados for which see the article at the end of this book all persons who after the twenty ninth of september sixteen ninety etc to sum up the whole if it be considered first that the sickly state of the men of war when they sailed from princes was the misfortune that hindered their being as far as sierra leone and consequently out of the track the pirates then took that those pirates directly contrary to their design in the second expedition should get above cape corso and that nigh axim a chase should offer that inevitably must discover them and be soon communicated to the men of war that the satiating their evil and malicious tempers at wider in burning the porcupine and running off with the french ship had strengthened the swallow with thirty men that the swallow should miss them in that road where probably she had not or at least so effectually obtained her end that they should be so far infatuated at cape lopez as to divide their strength which when collected might have been so formidable and lastly that the conquest should be without bloodshed i say considering all these circumstances it shows that the hand of providence was concerned in their destruction as to their behaviour after they were taken it was found that they had great inclinations to rebel if they could have laid hold of any opportunity for they were very uneasy under restraint 
having been lately all commanders themselves, nor could they brook their diet or quarters without cursing and swearing and upbraiding each other with the folly that had brought them to it. So that to secure themselves against any mad desperate undertaking of theirs, they strongly barricaded the gun-room and made another prison before it, an officer with pistols and cutlasses, doing duty night and day, and the prisoners within manacled and shackled. They would yet in these circumstances be impudently merry, saying, when they viewed their nakedness, that they had not left them a harpony to give old Sharon to ferry them over the sticks. And at their thin commons they would observe that they fell away so fast that they should not have weight left to hang them. Sutton used to be very profane, he happening to be in the same irons with another prisoner who was more serious than ordinary and read and prayed often as became his condition. This man Sutton used to swear at and ask him what he proposed by so much noise and devotion. Heaven, says the other, I hope. Heaven? You fool, says Sutton. Did you ever hear of any pirates going thither? Give me hell. It's a merrier place. I'll give Roberts a salute of thirteen guns at entrance. And when he found such ludicrous expressions had no effect on him, he made a formal complaint, and requested that the officer would either remove this man, or take his prayer-book away as a common disturber. A combination and conspiracy was formed betwixt Moody, Ashplant, Magnus, Mare, and others, to rise and kill the officers, and run away with the ship. This they had carried on by means of a mulatto boy, who was allowed to attend them, and proved very trusty in his messages between the principals. But the evening of that night they were to have made this struggle, two of the prisoners that sat next to Ashplant heard the boy whisper them upon the project, and, naming to him the hour they should be ready, presently gave notice of it to the captain, which put the ship in an alarm for a little time, and, on examination, several of them had made shift to break off, or lose their shackles, no doubt for such purpose, but it tended only to procure to themselves worse usage and confinement. In the same passage to Cape Corso, the prize, Royal Fortune, was in the same danger. She was left at the island of St. Thomas's, in the possession of an officer and a few men, to take in some fresh provisions, which was scarce at Cape Corso, with orders to follow the ship. There were only some of the pirates' negroes, three or four wounded prisoners, and Scudamore their surgeon, from whom they seemed to be under no apprehension, especially from the last who might have hoped for favour on account of his employ, and had stood so much indebted for his liberty, eating and drinking constantly with the officer, yet this fellow, regardless of the favour, and lost to all sense of reformation, endeavoured to bring over the negroes to his design of murdering the people, and running away with the ship. He easily prevailed with the negroes to come into the design, but when he came to communicate it to his fellow prisoners, and would have drawn them into the same measures by telling them, he understood navigation that the negroes were stout fellows, and by a smattering he had in the Angolan language, he had found willing to undertake such an enterprise, and that it was better venturing to do this, run down the coast and raise a new company, than to proceed to Cape Corso and be hanged like a dog and sun-dried one of them abhorring the cruelty or fearing the success discovered it to the officer who made him immediately a prisoner and brought the ship safe when they came to be lodged in cape corso castle their hopes of this kind all cut off 
and that they were assured they must there soon receive a final sentence, the note was changed among most of them, and from vain insolent jesting they became serious and devout, begging for good books, and joining in public prayers and singing of psalms twice at least every day. As to their trials, if we should give them at length, it may appear tedious to the reader, for which reason I have, for the avoiding tautology and repetition, put as many of them together as were tried for the same fact, reserving the circumstances which are most material, with observations on the dying behaviour of such of them as came to my knowledge. And first, it may be observed from the list, that a great part of these pirate ships' crews were men entered on the coast of Africa not many months before they were taken from whence it may be concluded that the pretended constraint of roberts on them was very often a complotment between parties equally willing and this roberts several times openly declared particularly to the onslow's people whom he called aft and asked of them who was willing to go as he would force nobody as was deposed by some of his best hands after acquittal nor is it reasonable to think he should reject irish volunteers only from a pique against Kennedy, and force others that might hazard, and in time destroy his government. But their behaviour soon put him out of this fear, and convinced him that the plea of force was only the best artifice they had to shelter themselves under, in case they should be taken, and that they were less rogues than other only in point of time. It may likewise be taken notice of that the country wherein they happen to be tried is among other happinesses exempted from lawyers and law-books so that the office of register of necessity fell on one not versed in those affairs which might justify the court in want of form more essentially supplied with integrity and impartiality but perhaps if there was less law there might be more justice than in some other courts for if the civil law be a law of universal reason judging of the rectitude or obliquity of men's actions every man of common sense is endued with a portion of it at least sufficient to make him distinguish right from wrong or what the civilians call malum in se therefore here if two persons were equally guilty of the same fact there was no convicting one and bringing the other off by any quirk or turn of law for they formed their judgments upon the constraint or willingness the aim and intention of the parties and all other circumstances which make a material difference besides in crimes of this nature men bred up to the sea must be more knowing and much abler than others more learned in the law for before a man can have a right idea of a thing he must know the terms standing for that thing the sea terms being a language by itself which no lawyer can be supposed to understand he must of consequence want that discriminating faculty which should direct him to judge right of the facts meant by those terms the court well knew it was not possible to get the evidence of every sufferer by this crew and therefore first of all considered how that deficiency should be supplied whether or no they could pardon one john dennis who had early offered himself as king's evidence and was the best read in their lives and conversations here indeed they were at a loss for law and concluded in the negative because it looked like compounding with a man to swear falsely losing by it those great helps he could have afforded another great difficulty in their proceedings was how to understand those words in the act of parliament of particularly specifying in the charge the circumstances of time place etc that is so to understand them as to be able to hold a court for if they had been indicted on particular robberies 
the evidence had happened mostly from the royal african company's ships on which these gentlemen of cape corso castle were not qualified to sit their oath running that they have no interest directly or indirectly in the ship or goods for the robbery of which the party stands accused and this they thought they had commissions being paid them on such goods and on the other side if they were incapacitated no court could be formed the commission absolutely requiring three of them by name to reconcile all things therefore the court resolved to bottom the whole of their proceedings on the swallow's depositions which were clear and plain and had the circumstance of time when place where manner how and the like particularly specified according to the statute in that case made and provided but this admitted only a general intimation of robbery in the indictment therefore to approve their clemency it looking arbitrary on the lives of men to lump them to the gallows in such a summary way as must have been done had they solely adhered to the swallow's charge they resolved to come to particular trials secondly that the prisoners might not be ignorant whereon to answer and so have all fair advantages to excuse and defend themselves the court farther agreed with justice and equanimity to hear any evidence that could be brought to weaken or corroborate the three circumstances that complete a pirate first being a volunteer amongst them at the beginning secondly being a volunteer at the taking or robbing of any ship or lastly voluntarily accepting a share in the booty of those that did for by a parity of reason where these actions were of their own disposing and yet committed by them it must be believed their hearts and hands joined together in what they acted against his majesty's ship the swallow End of chapter 9, part 8